Ladies and gentlemen, this episode of the Open Guard Cast is brought to you by Electrum Performance. Use the discount code OPENGUARDCAST25 if you want to get thick and swole, sort of like our guest today. I'm joined by Danny O'Donnell, Adam Bradley of Autos Jiu-Jitsu. Hello. Hello. So you're fighting this weekend. Let's get down to let's get down to brass tacks here. All right, you're fighting this weekend, Submission Underground, uh, 15, and you are going for a ten thousand dollar cash prize and a shot at the man from down under. So uh, how are you feeling right now? I know that's what three days away. Yeah, I feel great. Um, just finished up a really good camp with my team, and um, feeling really confident and looking forward to throwing some new tricks down there. That maybe people, people haven't seen from me before, so looking to mix it up, keep it fun and interesting. Speaking of new tricks, uh, you did that scorpion death lock or whatever. What do you call it? <laughs> I like to call it just a scorpion lock. The scorpion death lock's like more of a wrestling move. That's Sting's thing. <laughs> I don't want to say this. <laughs> but dude, either way, it's awesome. It was. It looked horrifically. Painful. Yeah, it looks absolutely brutal. Yeah, no, that's people's shoulders are not meant to move that way. But that's why. <laughs> And you would, and he would know that you are the, uh, you work for Electrum. Yes. So you know a lot about the human body. I do. I dabble. I dabble. dabble. <laughs> well, uh, we like, uh, we love you, Adam, and we um wanted to invite you on to get uh a lot about you. So I'm gonna let Danny kick it off with uh, some great questions. Danny's smarter than me, so Danny. <laughs> <laughs> so we had uh, Hunter Colvin on our last episode, and you guys are matched up first round for submission on the ground. And uh, we talked about how you guys fought before. I think it was Subspectrum, and it was like a really close, really tight match. So how do you feel about facing him again? Was there anything like in your first match that surprised you that you're you're looking to change or anything like that? I am just so happy to get revenge in the first round. I'm so happy about that. So thank you, Jake, for pushing for that. <laughs> um, no, like, he really didn't, like, surprise me with anything when we first fought. Like, I don't want to make excuses. I just was not myself that day. It was a, I had food poisoning. It was a long, bad, bad trip through Phoenix Airport. And I was maybe at, like, 30% that day, just trying to not throw up during that fight. But I was already there. I didn't want to, like, you know, bitch out of a match, you know. So I fought, and I, ga- I got some good positions. I gassed out. Then I went to OT, and he beat me in the points. So it was really disappointing, and this wasn't me that was fighting out there so i'm really looking forward to showing up not eating airport food and being my best self that day you know man we're from arizona what do you got against sky harbor see it was all great until i had panda express and the eight hour layover that's a bad combination unless you're andrew wilty he would have loved that (laughs) see usually i have no problem so but that day it was just like oh not good oh man oh man so um, well yeah. yeah I'm just looking forward to that rematch because uh, he's got a good game. He's exciting. He likes to push the pace, and so do I. So um, I believe it's going to be a good fight, but I think I have what it takes to prove that the first time was not was more of a fluke than he might think. Yeah, and so I we were, really we were talking for it hard. Yeah, going, Jake yeah, definitely right. did lobby for it. But I was just going to say we, we watched his uh, match at Who's Number One, and he looked <laughs> like he, he was really strong. He got a lot bigger since the last time I watched him compete. Um, and he was telling us that he walks around at about 200. Is uh is that something you're concerned with, or are you close to that same size? Or um, I haven't weighed myself today, but I'm about 200 as well. Ooh. And with the um Electrum performance training, you know, I believe I'm a lot stronger than him too. So I think when it comes to physicality, I definitely have more of an advantage. 
and I really wanted to push for this. Okay, so I remember uh, I interviewed you with the Verbal Tapcast, asking you what you wanted for Christmas, and you just went full Grinch and said, I want a super fight with Jake Watson. Now, unfortunately for that situation, I'm fighting in a tournament a day before. I can't give you that, Adam Bradley, but I can give you the next best thing. I can give you Hunter Colvin, and I know you wanted that match. I remember I, remember, I think I talked to you about it just casually um, before, and I, we mentioned that you know, we have a mutual opponent in each other. Actually, we've all fought each other and I fought Connor and I fought you. So, uh, I'm really excited, man. This is, I really wanted it first round and I wanted it at the end of the first round matches. So you guys could get maximum exposure. Oh, it's cool that you're, and, and knowing that you're 200 pounds, he's 200 pounds. It's a clash, man. I'm excited. Oh yeah. Can't wait. All right. So do you have any uh, thoughts on uh, the rest of the bracket? Because we talked about it a little bit with, with Hunter, too. But I think you have Roberto on your side. And then the other side is Cody Steele. Um, Nathan Orchard's on your side as well. So did, did you look at the, the whole bracket and the matchups? And uh, do you have any thoughts on, like, who's going to advance to the semis and the finals? Yeah, yeah. I've been looking at the bracket. It's, it's an awesome bracket. I'm really excited to watch all the other matches, too. You know, um, it's Orchard and um, Roberto on yeah. my side. And I think Roberto... You know, I think he he'll take that as long as he doesn't get caught up in the leg lock game. I think that's like one of his weak spots that's been exposed in the past. Um, but I think overall he's a better grappler. He'll bring he'll push the pace, and so I think I'll probably meet Roberto in the semis. And then on the other side, like Cody Steele is looking really good. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of his game. He's very scrambly, explosive. I love that yeah. stuff. So yeah. like I'm rooting for him. Um, but I've also fought Mason Fowler, and he's a really tough competitor, and he's doing really well. He's also a big boy and surprisingly flexible for his size. So um, I think it'll be Steele and Fowler in the semis. And, you know, I think Fowler just has a big size advantage as well. So I'm thinking it might be Fowler in the, in the finals on that side of the bracket, mm -hmm. which would be an awesome match for me as well. Yeah, Fowler, Fowler being the only guy in the bracket, I believe. I don't know if Nathan did, but he, he participated in ADCC 2019. Mm-hmm. So that uh, I wonder if I know that this is EBI rules, correct? I don't know if we went over this last week, Danny. Um, yeah, I think it is. I think Hunter did mention it's EBI rules. Okay. Yes. All right. So, yeah. so did uh, did Fowler? Did he win the West Coast Trials? Is that how he got into ADCC? Yes. Yeah, he had a really good performance at the trials. Was it the minus ninety nine division? I believe so. Okay. Because yeah. I yes, think it was. Josh Hinger won the minus eighty eight. West mm -hmm. Coast Trials. Okay, yeah, so minus 99. Yes, it was minus 99, and uh, Mason Fowler actually beat Diego Vasquez of Carlson Gracie Temecula in the final there. Wow. Mm -hmm. See? Something? Oh, I had a moment where I knew more than Danny. Look at that. So <laughs> man. All right. Well, I did not know Hunter, that. let's go over into how you started jiu-jitsu, man, because we also love to get down. You know, we know you have this awesome tournament coming up, but we also want people to get to know you and be able to hype you up and, and promote you a little bit. So how did you get started in jiu-jitsu, man? Um, well, um, I mean, I've been a fan of grappling, fighting, anything since I was a little kid. And I used to watch like the WWE. I was a big fan of that. Then I, you know, I found out it was hard to, hard to believe. I know, but I found out it was fake and just broke my heart. <laughs> I moved on to like MMA and I wanted to be an MMA fighter. But then, um, I ended up finding a club in my uh, high school, my freshman year. They actually had a jujitsu club ran by a blue belt and a brown belt that were teachers there. And that's how, uh, that's how I got into it because the blue belt 
was awesome. He was a uh, history teacher, but yeah, he also ran detention. And so me and him got to know each other very well through that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I to come at jujitsu. All I had to do was get my grades up because I was failing like all of my classes. I tried one class, I fell in love and within a week started passing all my classes, you know, solid C's and then started training. And I loved it. Hey man, C's get degrees. You know how it works. <laughs> All yeah, right. I just got, got me that diploma, then started training full-time. <laughs> cool, dude. That's awesome. What state were you living in at the time? New Hampshire. Oof. I have never met somebody who ever lived in New Hampshire. That's a fun fact for you. All right. Yeah. Well, now I know. Yeah, now, now I know that. <laughs> so how long were you training in New Hampshire? And, like, at what point in your training did you realize that you wanted to, like, move on to a bigger academy? And then at what point did you decide that Atos was that academy? Well, I started training in what, 2010 and was like a couple times a week. Not very, not very like often I train, but then um, probably about after, after I graduated high school, I trained, I graduated high school in 2013. I started training full time for about two years, but like maybe like in 2014, I realized like I was competing a lot and doing well locally, but like the Boston Open was like the big deal out there. And I'd always go Boston Open. I'd never win. I always get second double silver every time you know i was just like i want to win i want to win and like snagas any other small tournament i'd win but then i try my luck at worlds lose first round every time and i was like man like i can't like i'm not getting any better out here i was training you know eight hours a day over there but just the training partners the intensity that people train at their goals just didn't align with mine so this wasn't adequate and so then i decided like hey i really want to be world champ i can't I can't seem to make it work out here. Like I'm going to have to go to where world champs train. And I've been, I remember, you know, being young, watching Gaval online and liking his stuff a lot. And, uh, you know, at the time, like JT was there, a lot of other guys I looked up to. And so it just kind of like, yeah, it just kind of, uh, seemed like the spot I wanted to be at. And so I decided that, you know, that was where I was going to go and made it work. Was that like a, a difficult transition? Because I think, for a lot of guys who, who like move across states, if they're like an upper belt or whatever and they're established and, you know, they're a little bit older, it might be easier. But for someone younger like you who I don't know if you had a job or whatever, had a lot of money saved up. But I know a lot of guys when they make that move, it's kind of it's a struggle at first. So did, did you experience that? Did you go through that type of stuff? Oh, big time. Like uh, I was a blue belt. They were trying to give me my purple belt out there, but I knew I was going to go to Autos. I didn't want it yet. I was like, oh, I want to get my purple belt from Andre Galbao, you know, not some random dude in new hampshire but um i uh yeah i saved i worked for about a year in landscaping full-time to save up the money and i was like all right I just picked the date on the calendar i'm like this is when i'm gonna go and i tried to work as much as i could to save up and when it came down to it on moving day i had like 900 dollars on me to wow. move across the country. i sold my scraps my car for like 200 bucks like i had no money and no job no friends out there really so then i just like found a roommate on roommates.com and like just flew out there, no job or anything. I had a bicycle I got on Craigslist and that was it. Moved in that day. And uh, the next morning started looking for jobs, like biking all over the city, applying to places. And it was a real big struggle at first. I didn't have any money. I was living off, you know, after I was all said and done moving in, I had $20 on me until I found a job. Oh my so, gosh. What a story. I didn't know that. What yeah, was your that first is job? Crazy. Jamba juice. All right. All right. That's yeah, awesome. That's awesome. I got, only got, I applied to like 40 places. I applied to so many places. All the resumes looked alike. All the applications looked alike. I mean, and, uh, McDonald's, Jamba Juice. I didn't really get any, like, you know, 
nothing big. So took Jamba Juice and it was just enough to pay the bills and get myself established so I could figure out a way to, you know, afford autos. And from now I started yeah, just working as much as I could and training every other second I could. So what is your what is your work schedule and everything look like now compared to then? Like how is your situation now? If you don't oh, mind me asking. Yeah, then I was part time, so like I would train all morning at Autos and then close at night at Jamba Juice, and that was my that was my day to day, you know. Um, now working for Electrum and teaching at Autos. Now like I'll teach in the mornings, and I'll get my training in, and then you know Electrum's. We train a lot of clients in person, but mostly it's uh, online is like the big focus. So then most of my work is just through my phone and computer. So that doesn't take too much of my time or energy. So I basically just get my training out of the way in between that. I'm working on social media and everything else. Mm-hmm. That's all. You have two clients right here, me and Danny O'Donnell. Yeah, it's awesome. How are you guys liking it so far? I oh absolutely gosh. love it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's so much different than the other strength training programs I've done that, like, I feel like I'm seeing the benefits already just because it's so different. It's awesome. For me, I um, what I am consistently impressed with is your guys' depth of knowledge, and I thought I was doing a back squat correctly my whole life. Like, I've been strength training since I was, well, seriously, since I was maybe 18, but I've been learning since I was 14, and apparently I've been doing a back squat wrong my whole life, and... uh <laughs> Alex is like, dude, you're gonna hurt your lower back, and I was like, man, my lower back hurts. <laughs> so I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you guys are really, really strict on technique. There is no, there is no like leeway on technique. You need to do it right, otherwise you're gonna mess your body up. And that's just, that's the truth about strength training. And even then, my squat went up 25 pounds after a quick adjustment. I was like, that's ridiculous. That is, that can't be real. And then it, it was. Yeah, the experience and the knowledge they have has just been. Yeah, no one else can compare to that that I've trained with, and it's been so helpful for me in my athletic career. And I mean, I'll be all banged up, and they're like, "Oh, try this." I'm like, "What? This seems this, this little one exercise is gonna like reverse eight years of like beating up my body or whatever." And yeah, I feel way better after just like a few weeks of working with one of their programs, and it's amazing. So I want to ask you a few more questions about Electrum, but I kind of wanted to go back to when you first got out to Atos, like. San Diego is a pretty expensive city, and so I would assume that just having the Jamba Juice job, it was pretty difficult to to make it by. Did you have anyone from Atos kind of helping you out, like maybe helping you with like your tuition or anything like that, or were you just just surviving on the Jamba Juice money? I mean, yeah, I didn't really have much like outside financial support, you know. So it was just I was living on couches and futons in the living room for like up to three years. Um, I was living as like well below my means, you know, just DiGiorno pizza was like my fancy night of like, okay, I'm going to eat well tonight. <laughs> so like, you know, just between that, like saving money wherever I could. And also like reaching out to try to get as many sponsors as I could from like back home, like the more free stuff I get sent to me, the less money I had to spend. So like, so like geese, of course, anything I could get, like I was always just on the hunt for discounts or free stuff to help me just get by. Cause I was. Yeah, most of the time I would go hungry if I didn't have enough money that week, you know? Man, I tell you, one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is we get to see who's probably going to be a world champion. And that right there, like, man, not a lot of people have to do that struggle. And I feel like that's it's going to be really rewarding seeing you get the gold medal around your waist one day and being an American Black World Champion and being like, man, I remember when he was on the Open Guard cast, episode 28, and we got to see... <laughs> 
how much he deserves that. That is an inc- that's incredible. Yeah, that's like, just so awesome. on a whim moving all the way from New Hampshire. Yeah, it was a trip when I moved here because uh, I'll tell you right now, do not trust roommates.com. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I've got to hear the story. story. Yeah, let's hear so, it. Let's think. Okay, I was 19. I grew up in the trailer in the middle of the woods in Epsom, New Hampshire my whole life. I don't know how the world works. I was a little farm boy. You know, I had no neighbors. Like, I don't know how anything works. So I'm like, I'm just going to go to San Diego. Yeah. And I go on roommates.com because that sounds like the obvious place to find roommates. And so I could live, you know, as cheaply as possible. And I find this um account that messaged me, username UFC. I'm like, okay. Like, it's a start. <laughs> start. I'm going to make a connection here. And uh, he advertised himself as a 38-year-old blue belt that trains in San Diego, and he has a room for rent for a ridiculously low price. It was like 370 a month. And I was like, all right, I can do that. I'm like, I'll take it. And no red flags were appearing in my brain. Like, it's like, <laughs> oh, that's cool. Like, oh, too good to be true? Sure. Um so I did a Skype call with him before to like uh, meet him and stuff. And he seemed normal on camera. You know, he's a little older, um, a little quiet, but I was like, you know, I'm just gonna, he's a little weird, but I'm just gonna do it. You know, I just got to get my feet on San Diego soil and I'll be good. And so I do the things I get out there and I meet him and I am just appalled of like how catfished I got. <laughs> And it was bad. It was really bad. Um, I get there. He has no room for rent unless I want to sleep in his room. and Or I can sleep on the couch. It was a nice couch, but that's besides the point. Um, he lived home alone with two cats. Um, he was probably, he said, he said he was 38. He was probably in his mid-50s. And... He was just, I'm very confident and like comfortable around most people. And I just, it was the worst time of my life. Like I was like, well, it's either this or I sleep outside tonight. Like I'm homeless. So I did, I slept. Well, no, I didn't sleep. I, I laid on the couch overnight, didn't want to close my eyes and then started looking for jobs in the morning. And he was just the strangest man. And like, I heard other stories about him and he, uh, yeah, he liked, he liked young guys. And so that's why I was able to, you know, stay there. And I was so hungry that like he knew I was starving too. So he would take me out to eat. He would take me to like buffets and stuff. And so he was basically like my sugar daddy. <laughs> I just accepted it. It's like it's either ramen again. Accepted him. Yeah. With like he's either ramen and frozen chicken again, or like he was gonna take me to like some buffet. And so I just wouldn't make eye contact, eat a bunch of food as he'd like undress me with his eyes as I eat. And then that was it. And I ended up staying there for a solid four months. Oh my god! Just making it work, you know. And Dude. until like, I started making friends at Autos, and I told them about my situation. And eventually, like they started helping me out with rides to Autos because I would bike an hour to train. I'd bike all the way up there, go train. Some days I would sleep on the mat between sessions, or I'd go back to Carl's, but I didn't want to be there. Um. So I would usually just spend all day, like take a nap on the mat. And um, one day they're like, hey, like, do you want to live with us? Like, you know, you don't have to stay there anymore. I'm like, yes, please. Yes. Yes. Save me. (laughs) I need out. I need out. So I go to move out. I go to move out two months before, like I put a $500 deposit down 
and it was for six months. It was four months in. I was like, I'm out. You can keep the deposit. I'm out. And he's like, oh, you don't like it here? I'm like, no, it's not that. It's just this place is closer to the gym. And yeah, and which was true. But I was like, guys, I'm out of here. And for like a good six to eight months after, he had my email. And he would email me like, hello, brother. Hope you're doing well. Like, let me know if you want to go out to the casino sometime. And like, like try to like bring me on trips to Vegas and stuff. And he tried to bring me presents. And yeah, he was, he was. I think he was just looking for love, but not me, dude. Not me. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that's gotta be the best story, story we've had on this podcast. That is horrible. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I I was like, is is this how is this how San Diego is? Like, I'm terrified. <laughs> you got man. You ever yeah. so? Okay, so I've gathered that you did an impression of him, and I gathered uh, his name was Carl. Yes. Oh man, my dad's middle name is Carl. No, they called him Creepy Carl. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, like the bloodshot eyes and the mustache, and talk like this. Like, you want to go get dinner? I'm like I'm getting, getting chills. Yeah, it was awful. I have a lot of bad stories from that time, but I kind of pushed it all into the back of my mind until just so. Long. <laughs> yeah. You're just shoving it down into your into your subconscious. Yeah, if you want to risk seeing me cry on this podcast, we can talk more about it. But. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I don't want to sound like I'm laughing because I've been sensitive to the horrible thing, but it's just crazy. That's a crazy story. Yeah, man, really I really fun. hope you win. I, I hope you get become a black world champion one day, dude, because that sucks. That's the worst. Jiu-jitsu. This is how much I love jujitsu. <laughs> yeah, you stay with creepy old men who probably love you at first sight. I'm, I'm sure he still loves me. So that was your only roommates.com experience then. Yeah, yeah, I didn't go. I did not go back to roommates.com. Man, that's. I got nothing else to say. <laughs> so once you uh, got out of the apartment with Carl and uh, moved in with the Atos guys, how long after that did you start working with Electrum? Um, so I actually met one of the um, owners of Electrum like before Electrum came to be. I met um, Alex Sterner through a mutual friend that trained at the gym. He had just moved out here from Connecticut. So I lived with them. Those were my first two like normal roommates. And shortly after, um, Alex Bryce, the other owner of Electra, moved out, um, moved out here right across the street from us. So I got to know all of them. And eventually we all, you know, went and got a place in Pacific Beach together. And that's where we started our little our little team here. And now I'm actually we just moved into an apartment two days ago. I'm living with uh Coach Bryce and his wife Sarah. And uh, yeah, we're like really close to autos, really close to EP, so it's been really good. So I've been living with them for about four years now, four and a half. Yeah, and it's been really cool. That's awesome. Oh, congratulations on your new location, by the way. We I know we we congratulated Alex Bryce, but congratulations to you as well. That's super awesome. We Danny and I are definitely gonna plan a trip once the world isn't having a big boo boo anymore. We're gonna plan a trip out there and do a workout with you guys. Yeah, definitely. The facility is beautiful. It has everything you know you could ever think of. It's got all the fun toys. We have a ridiculously nice mat space too, and our own podcast room. So maybe we can do something there sometime. What? That's awesome. mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw the the mat space the mat. when uh, and, uh, both Alex's were posting pictures of of the space in the gym, and uh, it looked really cool. It looked like it was pretty big too. Yeah, it's ridiculously big. Like two thirds of it 
when we first got to the first two thirds of that mat space, I was like, oh, this is a bit much, but like, that's cool. And then we got another third. I'm like, this is ridiculous, but okay. That's, that's going to have some fun on these mats for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. I was just going to say, uh, I also want to know about the sleeping giant because you promote them and they look like a delicious coffee and you're obviously wearing the hat. You're always promoting them. Do you, are you just a sponsored athlete under them or do you do some work with them as well? Um, the relationship is mainly, um, a sponsored athlete, but I have done worked events. I have worked events with them before, you know, we've, uh, set up tents at fight to wins or, um, even like beer festivals or anything like that. Like a lot of fun events I've done with them. Um, they're, it's a really good group of people behind it. So I really enjoy spending that time with them. They actually, um, hooked me up with a keg right in my house here. Oh so my cold brew keg set up. Holy shit. That's my (laughs) dream. Awesome. Yep. You get the whole thing in there. Oh, man. That is so cool. available? Yep. Some of the best cold brew you'll ever have. Oh, man. I got to get Danny that for his birthday. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is pretty sick. Okay. And you mentioned beer festivals. Okay. So uh, this, I, I ask completely unrelated questions to the, to like your career because I'm not smart enough to do what Danny does. But uh, me and you have had several conversations about IPAs and, and beers. And I, I want to get, I want to like, have you always been a beer connoisseur ever since you were able to drink? I don't know how old you are. But oh, there it is. <laughs> there is an IPA. Rolling Rock. Nice. No, nice. no, no big deal. It's 2 p.m. But uh, <laughs> 2 p.m. A having a beer on a Wednesday or Thursday. Rest day. Leave me alone. <laughs> oh, okay, rest day. It's a rest day. It's a rest day. Um, no, I did not like beer at all when I first moved out here. Like, like by the time I was yeah like, 21, I still did not like beer. Like I've tried little bits here and there, and I think it's just because most of my friends like to drink like Bud Light because they don't know any better. That's me. So that, like, that's what i thought beer was and i started to get like into like stone brewing and feeling like tasting hops for the first time i was like oh what is this but then like try, living in san diego there's such a crazy beer community here so i've gotten to acquire some taste for uh certain kinds my favorites being the ipas and the sours for sure man i tell you my favorite beer is this francis Skinner weiss beer it's mm. a uh, it's a German beer, and it's it's not an IPA, it's not a light beer, it's just a really tasty German beer. It's my favorite beer I've ever had in my life, and I'm not much of a beer guy neither. But what's so funny is actually, Adam, uh, one time me and you talked about it so much that I went to Arizona Wilderness Brewing Company and I had a, an IPA, and I found one that I like. It's called the Refuge, and so dude, good. now now I'm gonna become. Too. You've had that one, dude. Yeah. It's insane. Mm-hmm. And I love, like, I actually like beer, but uh, I don't drink it too often because I'm never, you know, I live at home and my parents are like, don't drink beer. And I'm like, oh, and I'm (laughs) moving out. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I want to drink beer if I want to, Dad. But I think you should try this Francis Steiner Weiss beer, uh, Nature Rub beer. I don't even know how to pronounce that. It's German, but it's really good. That was a solid advertisement for it. I'm not sponsored by them. Can you imagine if I was sponsored by this beer company? That'd be sick. That's like my next goal is like get sponsored by like a brewery. That would be – I know I made it. Okay. What what brewery? I mean my favorites are – my favorite's Modern Times now. It goes between Modern Times and Ballast Point for the local breweries out here. All right. We're going to do our best 
to promote you for that. We uh, we had Malachi Edmond on, who wanted to be sponsored by an anime t-shirt company. Did did everything we could <laughs> to get him sponsored. So you want uh, what's the name of it again? Modern Times. Modern Times Modern Brewing. Time. Modern yeah, Times Brewing. Gotcha. We got a great selection of IPAs and sours, all the good stuff. All right. Well, expect us to blow them up. Sponsor Adam Bradley. I think that's a kind of a good segue into another question I had because you, you talked about trying to get sponsors a bunch of times, like when you first moved out to San Diego. Like, do you think that Jiu-Jitsu needs like a big corporate sponsor? Like, the only one I can really think of right now is Spider. They're like a ski apparel company that really has done a lot for Jiu-Jitsu, in my opinion. But do you feel like Jiu-Jitsu needs like one, a big corporate sponsor to really push it to the next level? Yeah, of course. I think you know that couldn't hurt. Um, I think it would help a lot of athletes who are, are deserving, but there's such a, it's such a big pool of athletes trying to get sponsored by every company. Every company is getting blown up by jiu-jitsu athletes wanting something. So like, I think if there's a one big company that has the funds and the will to do so, I think that'd be very you know, helpful for a large amount of the professionals in this sport. And what do you think, up. Jake? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, anything, anything like jujitsu's niche, man. And, you know, we're like part of, First of all, Adam Bradley, you're a brown belt, and that's like something a lot of people don't see <laughs> is a brown belt in jiu-jitsu. You also don't see people in jiu-jitsu, period, all the time. We're, we're not a huge percentage of the population doing jiu-jitsu. We're growing fast, I believe. But man, yeah, having big corporations to be able to sponsor events and sponsor tournaments, sponsor people, sponsor clubs, the progression of the sport, I think it's going to take a lot. And we're starting to see that a little bit, but – um. I, I think that it's going to take a little more. I like Spider a lot. Man, I love watching the Spider Invitational. I was so happy when I found out they were putting on an event because I, I've been skiing since I was like eight years old. And they were always like the coolest company in the ski and snowboard world. Like they make like really expensive high-end gear. And yeah, I knew that if they got into it, they'd obviously be able to pay like a big cash prize. And I think the 100000 that they paid for the last tournament was the biggest cash prize ever in Jiu-Jitsu. But yeah, I really hope they keep putting on events and we can get some other huge sponsors like that in, in the sport mm -hmm. oh speaking of big events adam bradley our mutual friend now because i can call him a friend jordan peitzman who has had you out for subspectrum where you have done some nasty things to some nasty uh with some nasty submissions down there to unfortunate people uh bjj woodstock is coming up you see that yeah it looks awesome it looks like a great um a great idea for the community for sure um i'm like i'm kind of worried about the like, i just don't know if it's the right time for it though like with the covid stuff going on you want to get thousands of people in one spot like i like it as the idea of like we need peace and love and community all to get together that's awesome but i just don't know like is it going to be allowed in iowa uh, does iowa do whatever they want with that kind of stuff but that's a good point that aside awesome idea and uh i really he's a good guy and i really hope it works out for him and i definitely love to be a part of it you know if they can uh get that going We're, you're looking to have a featured fight on there right jake featured fight featured commentary uh featured <laughs> seminar featured guitar performance i'm pretty much going to take the entire thing by star i'm just kidding uh i don't we're not uh, announcing the super fight yet um i'm gonna pretend like i don't know who the opponent is um but yeah i do have a seminar that's going to be happening down there and i you know after you saying the whole thing with the COVID and everything. It, yeah, we do have two months until then. We don't know how everything's going to work out. 
But that is a good point, and that could affect attendance. So I think Jordan might – I mean, we're in the opening stages. He could totally play it by ear and say, hey, let's move it back a little bit, or hey, let's go with it. So that's a good point that you brought up. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. Um, hopefully it works out for this year. If not, then you know, 2021 can't be any worse than 2020. Oh, please don't speak that into the universe. That is that – is, that would be so unfortunate if the universe went – watch <laughs> just, hold my beer just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hold my hold my ipa my nature my modern times brewing ipa adam bradley oh pinky think, up too man i think you have a point about the, all the virus stuff and all that but i'm hoping that people are so antsy to get out of their house and to get to an actual jiu-jitsu event that it still attracts like big numbers because all the ibjjf stuff is postponed almost indefinitely um the UAE JJF had a tournament, I think, planned in L- the LA Pro. They moved that to Miami, so everything's getting moved around. I just hope that there can be one event that can stick to a location and a date and actually happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, the Jiu-Jitsu would suck. Sounds awesome, and I uh, definitely look forward to being a part of it if it all you know, pulls through. Yeah, we'll be able to have our IPA there because Ooh. I think, uh, you know, obviously Star-Lord is probably going to bring beer in his, in his backpack because he needs it everywhere he goes. Yeah, I don't think you've met Star Lord, Danny, but as a not. character, he almost—he literally at Jits King almost cost Oliver Taza a penalty point because he was yelling so bad from the sideline. It's hilarious. Like, dude, calm down. <laughs> I love him though; he's really cool. He's really cool. So, um, submission underground coming up—that's the immediate next thing for you. Do you have anything planned after that yet? Yes, the week after I'm doing, a, I have a super fight for a Third Coast Grappling in Houston. Oh, so you're going to be, a, is it a part of the Kumite two cards, but you're going to be a super fight? Yes. Oh, beautiful. Who is it? Uh, his name's Bruno Matias. He's a uh, Gracie Baja West Chase, I think. Trains over there with like Pedro. Okay, awesome. So, should be a tough match. Um, looking forward to that too. I think it's IBJF points, but with heel hooks. So definitely plays into my favor. Okay, IBJJF. Oh, I, whenever you said IBJJF, I thought about the gi. I was like, he looks in the gi. Hey, the Gracie's rolling over in his grave. But uh, submission <laughs> underground this weekend is an open weight, right? It's 170 pounds to 270 pounds. That mm-hmm. super fight is going to be at what weight? 190. 190. So you have to cut a little bit. Yeah. I'm, en- I'm, enjoying, I'm enjoying my little bulk for this week, and the next week I'm on the salad. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited after after this Kumite event that I'm leaving for tomorrow. I will be on a strict three day a week regimen of of lifting with electron performance and eating like my life depends on it. Oh yeah, the bulk. The bulk season is here, baby. What are you weighing at these days? Man, I weighed in uh, for uh, the what's it called the Kumite last time and for Jitsking at like 183 pounds, dude. I'm skinny. I need to gain weight. Everybody thinks I'm like 200 pounds because I'm six three, and I show them my arms and like, oh god, I'm like no, he's not 200 pounds. <laughs> dang. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I can say. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm bigger than that. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna start eating. I'm gonna eat a lot of food. Getting a pasta beer. Yes, yeah. pasta and beer. 
So we had a, a couple other Atos guys on the podcast, and one of them was Connor DeAngelis, and he he mentioned how a couple guys at Atos like really had a big influence on his style. He was telling us like how Dom and Liera like really influenced his X guard and his sweeps and um, his passing too. Did you have certain guys at Atos when you first got there that really influenced your game or that really helped you out and you kind of emulate? Um, yeah, I mean, when I first got to Atos, I didn't really have a guard. I played half guard, close guard, and that was it. You know. So having to learn all the open guards for the, like, at, at like, you know, two years at the time into my blue belt, you know, I didn't really have a Deli Heva or an X guard or lasso spider, anything like that. And so I looked to, um, Christian woman. helped me a lot. When I first got there, he started teaching me reverse Deli Heva and I started to really get into it. Now it's one of my favorite guards. Um, training with Dom Bell. He helped me get my close guard and my like X guard really good. Um, and then of course with, Professor Gaval, he was helping me with my passing and the takedown. So like, I took a lot from everyone I trained with, um, but that's just some of the like a few of the people who helped me when I first got there for sure. Yeah, one of the things that's that's cool about Atos is that uh, I feel like guys have a lot of different styles there. Like you just mentioned, like a handful of guys, and they all have completely different styles with different strengths, and it's pretty cool that you get to like pick their brains and you get to develop a well-rounded game based on guys who have used those techniques in competition. Yeah, it's been great having um, all these guys that like, you know, you go to like some schools with people who don't compete as much and they teach you things. You're like, this is, does this really work? Like uh, you're doing this now, but like, does it really work? And then, you know, Andre go out, teaches me a takedown. And then I go see him hit it four times at ADCC. I'm like, this works. Yeah, this works. Yeah. I can, I'm going to believe in this. And so it gives me a lot of confidence in what I'm drilling and uh, what I use in my training and my competition as well. So it's been really nice having that, those high level guys, all these different um very different games that I can just take little pieces from and add it to my own. And I've heard from many people how we got to have Dom on the show eventually, because I've heard that he's been very, very helpful down there. And I think that you're totally right. Being able to see Andre Galvao hit it, not just like in tournament, but at the highest level in tournament has to be something that's very, very um, morale boosting for his students. So is there any other competitor? Is there a competitor outside of autos that has influenced you? Like that you watch in competition and you're like, man, like that guy doesn't train in my gym, but I really like how he does this. And then you kind of pick that into your own brain. Yeah, lately um, I've been studying a lot of Lachlan. I've been liking his um, his like 80-20 leg locks and all that. Like after his performance at ADCC, of course, I've won like really found out who he was then for the most part. And since then I've been watching him because his leg locks are just, you know, top notch. So he's been like my most recent study for not, like right now but yeah i've taken over the years i've watched a few different guys like i like tommy's game a lot um i'm not as flexible as him so it's hard for me to emulate it just like he does but you know there's a lot of these guys out there that uh i'll i'll watch and i'll take little bits from for sure yeah, if your knees were bowed out maybe because yeah he, he uh he has like actually his knees are bowed out yeah i try to play stuff like him and my joints just scream so i kind of gave up on that it's because you ha- have normal knees. <laughs> I think that's the, <laughs> the takeaway here. Yeah. Yeah, we actually had Lachlan on our podcast like maybe 10 episodes ago or something. And it was pretty interesting. He talked about how he came up with a lot of the, his entries to his heel hooks, like watching the meows. He he said that he would uh, – like his K-guard position came from how they entered 50-50 and stuff. So it was pretty cool to see that like he kind of developed that without anyone having like taught him that face-to-face he just kind of washed the meows and saw how they entered 50 50 and that was like his initial inspiration for the position 
cool. Yeah, the meow has been great too. I mean, I'm definitely, I don't, my body does not move like theirs either, but I've definitely, you know, I like their bolos. I've been, I used to study them a lot, you know, back when I was like a blue belt. Um, yeah, but then Lachland and I, w I used to watch a lot of, uh, what's his name? Some guys from Marcelo Garcia. I used to watch them a lot too. Marcus Noko. Um, yeah. Yeah. I liked his lasso guard a lot for the longest time, but his hands are like twice the size of mine and his grips are monstrous. I got little baby, baby carrot fingers that break all the time. So I stopped playing lasso, but you know, yeah. I remember back when we had our match a long time ago, uh, you are very crafty with the lapel. And I, I wondered, cause I, I haven't, uh, I've seen you compete a lot and you've had a lot of really awesome success, but have you done, have you kept up with the lapel at all? Cause you triangled me off of a lapel grip and it made me very angry, uh, <laughs> which just, it didn't make sense in my head. Um, cause I, I'm not very crafty with the lapel myself. I don't have a lot of lapels players at my gym. I don't spend a lot of time with it. I am, I have big hands, so I have more of a lasso oriented, uh, style too, but have you kept up like trying to progress the lapel or have you moved on to kind of other things? Um, well, back then I really didn't know much with the lapel at all. And to be honest, I completely made up whatever that lapel guard like I made that up on you. I had no clue what that was. Why, why do you got to <laughs> say that? <laughs> and I, I tried to do it after I'm like, I kept on watching that video. I'm like, what did I do? And I kept on trying to do it. I'm like, this doesn't work. This doesn't make sense. How did I hit that? <laughs> it's because my passing was really bad too. So <laughs> my passing was bad. So you got to make you freestyle on me. Yeah. I have no clue how that worked out, but it did. And, but now since then, like now, like I've, you know, spent a lot of time on the lapel guards, especially squid guard. That's been like my favorite over the last like two three years now um and yeah whenever i'm in the gi i'm heavily oriented on the lapel guards now back then i wasn't because i was trying to you know round out my other guards before i got too heavily reliant on the lapel um but these days yeah i love the lapel guard i love the squid um i use a lot of the lapel system in the 50 50 as well and i've started to develop my own little system from that and so, yeah, that's my goal is to make like lapel guards and 50-50, like they have a bad rep from a lot of like stallers that like to use it. And I use it very actively. And so I'm trying to make like give it a make it great again. You know, some would say. Okay. Make lapel guard. Lapel guard. MLG. I don't know. I'm not. Never mind. <laughs> MLGGA. There we go. That's the hat. Yeah, that's into it, huh? It just rolls yes. off the tongue. Molgaga. <laughs> <laughs> so one topic that comes up a lot on, on our show is like basically there's a lot of specialists now in jiu-jitsu like people who choose to do no-gi like donaher's guys they're like i would say gordon's probably the best no-gi guy right now and he specifically trains only no-gi and then there's a lot of guys who train for ibjjf they're really good at the lapel guards and they pretty much specifically focus just on ibjjf rule sets and the gi do you feel like you can reach the highest level of both like training each of them like split evenly or would you say it's better for someone like you to have like a specific gi goal or you know to just focus on one or the other see i think that's um i think that's more for the individual to figure out on their own because some people you know they feel like they have to dedicate to one other people like to do both uh, i like to do both and i feel like i'm like the first half of the year is typically gi tournaments. So I spend the first half of the year focusing on my gi game and then I go into the no gi for the second half. And, you know, I feel like I make a lot of progress in both um, niki and no gi in those, you know, six month periods. And they both help, you know, they both help each other as well. And you've probably heard that before, like no gi helps your gi and vice versa. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like I enjoy both a lot. So, you know, I'm always going to do both. I'm, if it works for them to only do one and they only care about one, you know, that's more of their thing. It's like uh, their choice. But I feel like for me personally, I can do both and they both help each other out. It's interesting you say that. It's hard for like me. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, I feel like I struggle in Nogi and I don't know. I don't exactly. I study my matches and I'm trying to figure out why right now. Like, for instance, the last two weeks, I fought Gabriel Arges first. That was a technical error that led to my defeat uh, by getting choked from the back. It was a big technical error from 50-50. But in Nogi against John Combs this last weekend, I kind of just felt lost the whole time. And I really didn't have a – I didn't know where I was going to go because I felt very uncomfortable without the grips. So do you think uh, – what parts of your Nogi game do you think have helped you with your Gi game the most, if you could define it? I'd say like from bottom i like to use calf slice positions a lot in gi and no gi you know because i like to play the 50 50 games i like the leg locks um and that's something that translates to both gi and no gi so um my guard has basically stayed the same like this without the lapel at least um with the gi i'm just throwing the lapel into the mix but um other than that like my passing on top is very similar i like to do a lot of like gi style passing in no gi so a lot of high stepping toriando style into leg drag, side smash, all these things. Um, but yeah, I think it's been good. I think I developed a pretty solid like game between the two that I can like switch over relatively easily um, for a lapel player. You know, not so bad doing the nogi. Um, I think it's my background in like catch wrestling and all that too, though. It's helped me become more comfortable in the nogi, and I love the scramble. So get me all sweaty in a rash guard and you know <laughs> try to catch me. You know, it works for me. Get me all sweaty in a rash guard. <laughs> all sweaty in a rash guard. I'm good to go. I'll You're not making away. eye contact right now, which makes me more comfortable. <laughs> you should have said that to, to Carl. <laughs> Just kidding. That's horrible. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you just mentioned your background in catch wrestling. We didn't get to hear too much about that. Uh, did you do catch wrestling back in uh, New Hampshire? I trained with a lot of um, guys with like a more a catch style than just like pure jujitsu. They had a lot of crazy submissions and um, like to do. I trained with a lot of college wrestlers too. A lot of the college guys would come to our gym to train, you know, just uh, when they weren't at their own school. So, um, you know, I got a lot of work in with the um, wrestlers and then my coach at the time, he liked a lot of like catch wrestling. So I do a lot of that with him. And when I first moved, like a couple of years after I moved out here, Josh Burnett started running catch wrestling tournaments. And I was like, well, that sounds like, you know, something I want to do. And it's basically folk style wrestling, um, but with submissions. That's basically what it is. So you can submit or pin. And so I've been having a really, like a really fun time with that rule set. And it works, works well for me. Strapping on, strapping on some wrestling shoes. And basically like, it's a weird mix of wrestlers and jiu-jitsu guys that seem to sign up for these. So the key to success with that is just like submit the wrestlers, pin the jiu-jitsu guys. <laughs> oh, wow. I watched uh, one of your matches for a catch wrestling tournament, or at a catch wrestling tournament, excuse me, on YouTube, and it looked like the guy was in full guard, like close guard, and you were on top. Mm-hmm. Is it, are you able? Is that like? Are there certain types of ways you can pin them, or if you would have put his shoulders to the mat, would he have been considered pinned? Yeah, so the close guard is the only like a close guard or a submission locked in is the only time you can't get pinned. Um, half guard you can get pinned if you lock a, like a head and arm triangle on them, you can pin them with that. Um, but yeah, a close guard, you're safe, but anywhere else, yeah, you got to keep your shoulders off the mat. 
That's very interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like competing in that rule set? Um, like, what, what would you, what do you feel like the skills that you brought into that rule set? Which of those do you think are most transferable to a jujitsu rule set? Um, well, there's no guard pulling, so you know you definitely have to work your takedowns, which is good if you're a guard passer, because then you gotta, you know, you take him down, you stay on top, and you go for the pin or, of course, the submission. Um, and I think that's probably what's led most to like like the transferable of like success from catch wrestling to jiu-jitsu is like the takedown aspect and like the um what's it called like try not to get pinned like stay off your back don't get scored on and i think that's been very good for like helping me win scrambles and ibjf rule sets too where i can't get taken down and i think that's been like the most that's where it's helped me the most is like be like being tough to score on because you can't just accept you know i can't just lay there inside mount with your shoulders on the mat you know yeah. So it's, that answers your question. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, th- this begs me to ask this question. Have you, uh, first of all, have you competed in ADCC trials before? Yes, I have. I did uh, both the East and the West Coast um, last year. How, uh, who did you fight in those? In, those? Um, in the East Coast, I was stopped by Roberto Jimenez in the, what was it, quarterfinals? Mm-hmm. Maybe. And then um, on the West Coast, I slipped up and got heel hooked by some 10th Planet guy in 50 50. Mm-hmm. That so, was 88 well, kilos that you competed at? Yeah, 88. There's no way he's cutting down to 77. <laughs> <laughs> um, but because it seems to me like if you were to work a catch wrestling, just based off of what I know now that you told us, it seems like it's like it's really doing a good job of preparing you for an ADCC rule set because man, taking, we talked to John Combs in our third episode and he described how it's very difficult to get a takedown in ADCC unless it's a double leg or an inside trip because you can put your opponent's shoulders on the mat. Mm-hmm. So have, uh, are the, are the rules in catch wrestling, like to get a takedown, do you get points? Is there a point system? Yes. It's, um, I believe it's two points for the takedown. Um, yeah, there's two points for takedown, one point for reversals, and I think that's about it. It's just two points and one point. Okay. So to get the points in catch wrestling, do you need to have your shoulders on the mat, or is it the butt touch? Um, it's yeah, keeping their butt on the ground for you know a few seconds. Okay. I think it's a three count. Okay, that's interesting because in ADCC I know you have to have shoulders, which is why a lot of wrestlers like Nikki Rodriguez do very well in the rule set is because they're used to that kind of. Like you have to have your shoulders on the mat, right, in order to get a pin. That's when, yeah, that's when like people's people who have a good uh, skill set in pinning do well in ADCC. Mm, okay. All right. That's so. I think that catch wrestling probably would benefit somebody who's looking to get into ADCC. Would you say? Yeah, big time. Of course. All right. All right. No, for no, I, that's like where the the judge would pound his gavel and say, "I found out what you were what you were putting down. I'm picking it up." So do, do you obviously then have plans to do the next trials, the next one coming up? Yeah, I'm spending this whole year um, just training Yogi and prepare, um, uh, preparation for that. You know, that's the big, that's the main goal. All these other ones are just little checkpoints along the way, little side missions. But, you know, when 10K, that's my little side plot right there, side mission right there. But then the main mission is ADCC. All right. Let's say you win the 10K. What do you do with it? I don't know, man. Maybe like... I'm just gonna save it all up, dude. I'm not gonna spend anything. It's exactly what Hunter said. It's exactly what Hunter said. You guys are both financially <laughs> responsible, and you're fierce, 
and there's like a little bit of chemistry there and Jake Watson matched it up. This is just a good weekend coming up, man. <laughs> okay, Open maybe I'd probably get a tattoo, but other than that. I'm actually going to get an Avatar The Last Airbender tattoo. Ooh, that's it. After have I finish the Have you seen sleeve. the show? Have you seen that show? Um, I watched it a long, long time ago. I haven't rewatched it since, but I kind of want to. It's on Netflix. <laughs> well, it's on Netflix, dude. He, Adam Bradley's the kind of guy, and this is the thing, is... Um, First of all, Danny hasn't seen it. Danny has. <laughs> Danny doesn't watch. He's never seen Dragon Ball Z. Adam, show show Danny your hand tattoo, your Naruto hand tattoo. Yeah, that is Naruto, Danny O'Donnell. These animes, these animated TV shows that all the old men. By the way, Danny's thirty-one. The all the old men <laughs> say are for the for the children. They affect us in a positive way. People get inspired by Goku and Naruto and Kakashi. I, I have a after seeing your tattoo, I have a story actually. So one time I was gonna gonna fly out to Atlanta to compete in the Atlanta Open, and uh, I for whatever reason I misplaced my competition gi, so I had to borrow one. And I borrowed one from my friend, and it had a Naruto patch on it. So oh. I competed in a Naruto Naruto gi. That's it. Did you win? Yes. <laughs> Case closed. Case closed. How did you win? Uh, I won both matches on points. It wasn't super impressive or anything, but win by points, yeah. jutsu. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> Glad I got a smile out of Adam on that one. So I was like, wait, I think I've seen that symbol before. It was taijutsu. Yeah, I remember uh, seeing Rock Lee versus Gara is the best fight probably. And when he drops the weights, man. Yeah, like, when he dropped the egg weights, everybody's like, oh, he's just going to drop his egg weights. And then they're like a bajillion pounds. That was so yeah. sick. I want to go train as soon as I saw that. There, it's amazing how anime, like anime shows and animated shows have like a different feel about them. They just, they, I feel like they resonate in the story because it's already unrealistic, right? Like no one, no one can freaking open up the six chakras in their heart and like become more powerful. No, I mean, unless you're, I don't know, Hindu or. I don't know what uh, theology believes in that, but I'm just saying it's like really cool whether you're a kid or an adult to get into that kind of stuff. Because that's what, one that, of the things that got me into martial arts. Martial arts. Would you yeah, agree that I have to start with Avatar? Is that the best show to start with? Not a bad place to start. Um, Jake, have you watched Death Note? No, I'm always looking for new shows though. Watch it, and um, yeah, both of you need to watch Death Note. That would get you hooked on anime for sure. It's like thirty something, like thirty six episodes, maybe twenty minutes long each, and it is just a masterpiece. It is very fulfilling to watch. It's a thriller. Dang, now I gotta watch another one. Okay, so Avatar first, then Death Note. If you're gonna get into Naruto, you want to be hooked on anime first because that's like eight hundred episodes. It's like so many episodes. Don't watch One Piece either. That's like a thousand episodes. One Piece is long. One Piece is long. You don't want to be like that. Yeah. I, I watched Death Note and or Avatar first because, uh, yeah, those, those will get you hooked. I think it's so funny how many people we've interviewed on this show that are into anime. Like, people just make random re- – we interviewed Devontae Johnson. He just randomly made, like, a big anime reference. I'm like, oh, cool. You watch anime? He's like, dude, I love anime. He's got, like, a uh, Dragon Ball Super Goku patch on all of his geese, and we I didn't even notice it until he told me. Like what the hell? Everybody like I know Keenan plays League of Legends, and so does Andrew Wiltsey, and they're both like high-ranking League of Legends players. I'm like what the heck? I suck at video games. Turns out I'm the dork for not watching anime or playing video games. 
Welcome to the Open Darkcast. <laughs> if you're an old fart, you're the dork. <laughs> I'm a dork. I accept it. No, but you're jujitsu fanatic, and that's what we want on this show, just like Adam Bradley. All right, cool. well, Danny, do you have a further question? No, that was pretty much all I had. So thanks again, Adam, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, if you want to talk about any of your sponsors or give any shout-outs, you can do it. I can? Wow. Yes. <laughs> or no. <laughs> you should is the you point. Should, you should, yes. You should. Yes. You can oh. and you should. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on the show. And, of course, I'd like to um, shout-out Steeping Giant and Electrum Performance and Mama Cat's Pie Shop. And lastly, King's Kimonos. But, um, yeah, so thank you so much for having me on the show. It was really fun to you know talk about all that. Wait, you're sponsored by a pie shop? Mama Cat's, um, Mama Cat's Pie Shop in San Marcos. Okay. It's a restaurant. But I, what I want you to do right after this show is go on your phone and email or message me the address because I love pie, dude. Please. That, we'll go to we'll go get a, a pie and a beer. I promise you that. This is a virtual handshake. All right, cool. We've pie got a lot of stuff to do in San Diego, though, because we had Rolando on, and he uh, wanted to take us to a couple of restaurants, too. So. Rolando got his good stuff, too. Yep. Yeah. We're all gonna have to hang out. We're gonna. Have, I'm just gonna. Have, we're gonna eventually hang out with the entire Autos crew and yeah. <laughs> with us. We'll just go to Autos. Yeah, well, do it. Adam, when you're down. Of course, man. We know that you and Hunter Colvin. Uh, you guys can catch Adam Bradley versus Hunter Colvin Sunday on UFC Fight Pass. They are fighting for ten thousand dollars and this submission <laughs> underground medal that I got from when I was underground. Uh, and you guys, uh, be sure to follow all of our sponsors and all the people who love us and that we love back. High Tier Photography, Chill Fit Cryo, Agro Brand, Break New Ground, Marcio Andre Jiu-Jitsu, Matakaba BJJ. Uh, and follow us on Instagram. Follow Adam Bradley at T-R-A-B underscore BJJ, the real Adam Bradley underscore BJJ. This is the real Adam Bradley. Um, thank you guys so much. And remember that we have a discount code with Electric Performance. Open Guard Cast 25. If you want to get big, thick, swole, lean, mean, athletic machine like our guest, Adam Bradley, then you need to get through them because they are knowledgeable. We like them a lot. And we're going to go down there and we're going to go to Mama Cat's Pie Shop. Or Is that what it is, Mama Cat? Yep. We're going to go to Mama Cat's Pie Shop and I'm going to have a pumpkin pie and an apple pie. And then I'm going to cry because I'm gonna be, my tummy's going to be upset. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, hey, man, thank you so much for coming on, dude. We are really excited to see you go, and uh, we wish you all the best. I know for sure that you're good, you're destined for great things, you know what I mean? And one of the cool things about this podcast is, yeah, me and you are probably going to compete against each other many, many times throughout our career. But at the end of the day, it's all love, dude, and I, I hope you have great success. And I, you definitely deserve uh, every bit of success you have and that you're going to have. So I wish you luck, and we both wish you luck. I appreciate that. Thanks so much. Of course, dude. Danny O'Donnell. Take us out of here. <laughs> Thanks again, everyone, for listening. That was episode 28 of the Open Guard Cast with Adam Bradley. Make sure you check him out on Submission Underground this Sunday on UFC Fight Pass.